Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear, and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Kim Vogel-Sawyer. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much. Kim grew up in Kansas and draws on her Midwest values and experiences to write beautifully crafted stories of love and loss, rejection and reunion, longing and romance, all from a Christian perspective. Kim is a highly acclaimed best-selling author with over 1.5 million books in print in seven different languages. Her titles have won numerous awards, including the American Christian Fiction Writers Carol Award, the Inspirational Reader's Choice Award, and the Gail Wilson Award of Excellence. Kim has always wanted to be a writer for as long as she can remember and got her first big break in 2002 with the release of A Seeking Heart. Now, after almost 60 books, we are eagerly anticipating her latest release, Still My Forever, due this week on September 6th. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Let me also tell you that Kim has worked as an elementary school teacher and teacher at writing conferences across the United States. She loves traveling, quilting, shopping for antiques, and spoiling her grandkids. Kim, I see that kindness, dignity, and honor are high values for you. And although you've been through some pretty hard places in life, you haven't lost hope. How do you see yourself? As an overcomer. (laughs) And I I don't say that lightly. I am extremely blessed that God can use tarnished vessels. Because as a, a very bashful little girl who really didn't have friends and never felt like she fit in and was very likable, God still had a purpose for me. And he brought me to that purpose. And he, he just shunned, somehow manages to shine through me. And I just feel so blessed to be one of his vessels, even though I'm a little bit cracked. <laughs> a bit of a crack pot. <laughs> but, you know, he, he really does make beauty out of ashes. And I, I'm living proof of that. Mm, I think that's why your characters have depth. So tell me, uh, why why are you shy? Do you think you're hardwired that way? Or um, was it because your family moved around a lot? A lot of it had to do with the moving around. Um, always being the new person in the classroom um, was pretty tough on me. But it really turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Because when you don't have a lot of friends, you look for friendships in other places. And everywhere we went, I could always go into the library and I would find those familiar friends, you know, on the shelves within the pages of those books. And I was a voracious reader. And when you're sitting on the outside looking in and watching the circles move, you become a keen observer of people. And boy, has that helped me in crafting characters. Um, It really, I, I think God designed me that way for a purpose. And the purpose was to right. Well, and I think being a good observer of people has helped you in a whole lot of ways, but especially in writing, and we are so, so (laughs) grateful for that. So you said you were a voracious reader, but you've written 60 books. Who has time to read? (laughs) Um, Who are your favorite authors? Uh, Which authors Um, inspire you? You know, if I start naming names, I'm probably going to leave a few out. But some that really impacted me at a young age was Laurel Ingle Wilder. And um, then the (laughs) Laura 
and my brain just went into neutral, the author of the Bobsy Twins series. I can't think of her last mm-hmm. name now. But those were books that I just read over and over and over again. Got a little bit older. I think what probably inspired me the most as an author was the book Christie by Catherine Marshall. Because I became so engrossed in that story. I didn't feel like I was just reading it. I felt like I was living it. And I thought in the back of my head, boy, this is what I want to do for people. I want to carry them away. I want them to see the world through someone else's eyes. I want to change them somehow from the inside out, which is what Christy did for me. And so, you know, those are, are authors that come to mind. I read predominantly Christian fiction now. And I have a number of, of good writer friends that I love to read their stories. Um, and uh, don't get to read as much as I did when I was growing up because the writing does take a lot of time. <laughs> but I still, I run a book club. I have a book club in my house every month. And so Woo-hoo. still doing some <laughs> reading, just probably not as much as I did when I was a kid. You know? Yeah, I love that. So when you first started writing, who was your big encourager? Um, well, you know, Mama is always the one. I also had a, a high school teacher who really encouraged me. Um, Mr. Gorski from Coldwater High School or Greensburg High School. I'm sorry, I shifted high schools midway through. I had him my freshman year um, at Greensburg. Um, just saw something in me, even though I was quiet. Saw something in me and really encouraged me there. But I think probably my mom and my dad have been my biggest cheerleaders over the years. Um, In fact, they're the ones that made a Seeking Heart possible. I had been submitting since 1992, submitting my stories to publishers and always hitting brick walls. And uh, it was getting pretty discouraged and and my health was failing. And I think my parents were actually afraid that I might pass away before I saw a book in print. And so this was back in the days before digital printing. You know, things were expensive, but they took out a loan and had 5,000 copies of A Seeking Heart printed up. They went through um, American Christian Writers Press, which was owned by Steve Lobby at that time. Interestingly enough, I'm now part of Steve Lobby's agency. See how things come full circle? It's kind of Mm, fun. Beautiful. But it was um, getting that, holding that book in print and then seeing it show up. I was such a dummy. I didn't know that it self-published books you you were supposed to treat differently. You know, the times have changed quite a bit. <laughs> but I took two cases of my books to a local choice warehouse. Um, the choice books, they put the racks like in airports and grocery stores and so forth. Well, we had a warehouse real close to where we were living. So I just took two cases of books there and asked if they'd like to, to use them. And... One of them read it, liked it, so they did, and start, they started popping up on choice racks, and that gave me some courage because I was starting to hear from hear back from people that they really liked the story, and that just kind of, and it ended up actually in the hands of an agent who contacted me, and everything went from there. So that's my mom and dad are really what got the ball rolling, and uh, I appreciate them a lot for that. That is so, so sweet. And do I remember right? They had a vested interest in this story. Is it about them? Well, it's based on my mom's history, the Clausen family. It was set in Mountain Lake, Minnesota, which is where my mother grew up. 
and I used the Clausen family and things that I'd heard about my grandmother. I never got to meet her. She died when my mom was 10. But I used some of the things that I had heard about her and within that family unit that welcomed the stranger into their midst and, and show her that she is worthwhile, that she is lovable, that God cares for her. So it was a special story for that reason. Wow, an amazing um, breakout story. Oh, I'm so excited that that was such a success for you. And look where it's gone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So far beyond anything I imagine, that's for sure. Well, uh, it's really fun. So you said that you draw a lot of inspiration for that story and others from the people that you know, um, and that you're a people... um, that you're a people watcher. So how have, (laughs) (laughs) and, and I'm guessing that the book that uh, you're releasing this week is also uh, based on uh, people that you actually know. Is that true? Well, kind of, sort of. The, the story was inspired by a young man. I saw it on Facebook. uh, I follow the Inman museum, Inman, Kansas museum. And they had posted a picture of a, bunch of children in uniforms with instruments and the little story was a a man named Paul Crabb had come from New York settled in Inman started a youth band that became very very popular in the state wow that's that's amazing so we're going to get to hear a little bit of his story when we come back uh, for more of your story in just a bit so we're going to take a break and listeners will be right back with our special guest today Kim Vogel Sawyer As Kim pointed out, all it takes sometimes is someone to believe in you. One of the joys of the Now I See podcast for me is inviting people to share their stories. Most have never been on a podcast before, so they are surprised to be asked, and even more surprised to discover that their story is one that interests, encourages, educates, or elevates others. Another joy for me is what I discover about my guests when they share their stories. Sometimes I think I know where a story is going, and then I'll be completely amazed when our guests take it in a different direction and leave us with the gifts of laughter, wisdom, or insight. Each week is an adventure for me, and I hope it is for you as well. It's fun to see your comments and the reviews on our website or on our social platforms and to know you're connecting with our guests too. So keep the conversation going by giving us feedback at Now I See Pod, recommending and sharing our show with your friends and inviting others to join us at the conversational table when you leave a good rating and review. Links for today's guest and her most recent books can be found in our show notes or on our website at nis.media. When you visit our site, go to the Featured Authors page and click on any of Kim's titles for access to purchase points. Pre-ordering Kim's book before the September 6th release date will give you a discount on Amazon. You can get quick links to purchase works by any of our previous guests there too, so be sure to check them out. While you're on our site, you can catch up on any shows or blogs you may have missed, like last week's guest, Megan Hosbrook, and the Isaiah 117 House Project. For information about Isaiah 117 House or the golf tournament on September 24, visit our Featured Causes page and click the links there. 
Next week, we'll have fun with child actor and model Rustin Bridges, who is appearing with his dad in Rodgers and Hammerstein's State Fair musical at the Uptown Theater this month. From me, Kit McCarty, and the Now I See team, thank you listeners for believing in us, for checking in each week, and growing with us through the fun and fascinating stories our guests bring. Now, back to today's guest, author Kim Vogel-Sawyer, and the story within and behind the pages of her latest released, Still My Forever. We are back from our break with our guest today, Kim Vogel-Sawyer. So Kim, we left off where you were talking about creating characters. So let's jump right into your book, Still My Forever. Um, The story follows the disillusioned musician, Gilbert Beatty, whose story echoes Paul Crabb that you were just telling us. So two things, real quick. One, uh, what kind of music do you enjoy? All kinds of music, um, except rock and rap. I just don't like those. (laughs) I'm sorry. But pretty much everything else, I really love to listen to um, piano music, no voices, just the the piano music. Um, Listen to a lot of contemporary and I love the old hymns. I mean, I just love everything. Music speaks and I like to listen. Can you write while you're listening to music? No. Me neither. I want to start to sing. And, and, you know, you cannot sing one thing and type something else. I've tried. It does not work. <laughs> not for me either, although I know people who do. it. But I do, and I envy that. I wish that I could because I really would like to, but it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me either. <laughs> um, and then the second question, yeah, you told us a little bit about Paul Crabb, uh, but what was it about his story that captured your imagination? And why did you choose to tell his story in your book? Well, part of it is my brother is a composer, musician, director, and so there was a personal connection to this man. And the other side of it was just bringing these kids together and helping them make something beautiful together. As a little girl, one of my favorite memories is grown up in church when we would sing hymns and four-part harmony. And you would hear all those parts, and you were a part of that, and it just made you feel as if you belonged. And I think we all need that place where we belong. And so I made sure that I created a little character who really needed a place to belong, and I threw him in the band. And it was just so much fun to see that little boy come to life because he had a place to be and some, a place that he felt important and needed. Did you know that's what you were going to do with that character? Or did he write his way in? I had no clue. <laughs> and that's the joy of being a seat of the pants writer. I have a rough idea, um, particularly with my main characters. I, I Before I start a story, I explore a little bit with my main characters. And from all three dimensions, the spiritual dimension, the emotional dimension, the physical dimension, you know, what we can hold in our hands. And I set up a goal for them, why that goal is so important to them, and then some things that are standing in the way. That's what guides my story. But as far as things that occur, I am just as shocked as anyone else sometimes when these people walk onto the stage. And I I always welcome them because I know something good is going to happen. (laughs) It's going to be beneficial if they show up. But yeah, it's. um, I think that's probably the biggest joy in writing for me is when I sit down, 
I don't know until I see it come out on the screen. The little funny story, I was giggling at my computer one morning and my youngest daughter, she was 15 or 16 at the time, stuck her head in the door and said, did you get a funny forward um, through email? And I said, no, honey, I, you, come here and listen to this. Let me tell you what John just said. And I read this little section to her and then I started laughing at it. I said, I just never know what he's going to come out of his, what's going to come out of his mouth. And she said, mom, you're writing this. You have to know. But I don't. But I don't. I mean, it just, it's just like my fingers hit the key and the magic happens. And it's its a lot of fun. <laughs> so, no. Um, the little characters, the little, the little band boys, it just worked. Yeah. That's delightful. <laughs> That's delightful. Because um, for me, a lot of times, uh, writing is a, is a chore. Um, mm-hmm. But it's because I, it's a tool to communicate a thought or an idea right. or to get from point A to point B. Um, and I have very rarely spent time creating. And so to hear your delight is uh, these characters create themselves. And as you explore with them, that's that's precious. I just love that so much. Um, but fortunately, there are some things that you do know going in. And one of those was the setting, the location. So this story is set in Kansas, a place that you know and love. And when they say you write what you know, well, there you go. So. Yeah. How does Kansas factor into this story? Well, I I think a lot of people don't know a great deal about Kansas. Um, it's a little-known state. It's Most people don't travel to us. They travel through us. And so it's really fun for me to feature. It's been my home since I was born. I've only lived away from Kansas one out of my years of living. And so it, it really is um, the heartland to me. I love it here. And to be able to share what I love about it through story is just kind of an added bonus. So is the town of Falk real or made up? It is made up, but it was based on a little German Mennonite town that was in that area. Um, A lot of little towns became defunct over time. And so it was based on that and partly based on the history of Inman, which is an existing town and has just an absolutely fabulous museum. If you ever have an opportunity to travel through Kansas, pop by Little Inman and um, have some Veronica at the cafe and visit the museum, you'll make a day of it. (laughs) There's my plug for them, I guess. (laughs) I love it. I always like good travel tips. So your books have often um, had as either a focus or a a, a sub-focus, that's such a word. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> of um, of the Amish or the Mennonites. The Mennonites are in this book. Mennonite. Why are those people groups important to you? Well, that's my history. Um, my my great grandparents came from Russia, originally from Germany into Russia, and then to Minnesota um, in the 1872 uh, for religious freedom. And I'm so grateful to them because I was able to grow up in a free country because they made that very difficult choice. Um, My other grandparents, my dad's parents came from Russia about the same time period. And just, I cannot imagine how hard that must have been to make that change. But the the Mennonite history, I'm so proud of that heritage. I mean, we're not perfect by any means, but they honor God with their lives and glorifying him is first and foremost in everything they want to do. And it makes a difference. And I'm very, very glad to have been brought up on biblical principles and given that strong moral and ethical foundation on which to build my life. Now, that clearly comes through in your books and probably also a really strong work ethic. Again, 
59 bucks. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Well, we're going to get all the feels from Gilbert and his love interest, Ava. Rejection and remembering and embarrassment, insecurity, failure, loneliness, indecision, desire, all the feels. Um, What do you hope readers will gain as they wrestle through these emotions with our characters? The most important thing I hope people will will walk away from is the importance of seeking God's will in our lives. You know, he designed us, he designed us with a purpose, and we we come up with our plans. I mean, that's what we do as humans. We make all of these plans. But unless we try to follow the plans that he made, we're never satisfied. We never feel like we're complete. And so I'm really hoping that um, Gil and Ava and, and Joseph's examples will they'll be able to see that through these characters' lives, and it may inspire them to maybe dig a little bit deeper into their desires and see, is this really a desire that's gone planted, or is it a desire that's me planted? And maybe make a little bit of a switch. Well, what emotions did you have to wrestle through in the writing of this book? And what did you learn about yourself as you did? There's there's one scene um, between Ava and her mother that came pretty close to a conversation that I had with my mom. Um, My mother, of course, was my greatest inspiration for writing. She's the one that got me sold on books by reading to me when I was little. And she's been gone now almost four years. So the the writing the last few books have been a little bit harder because I would be able to call her and and chat. I miss that a lot. And I I miss being able to give her the, the books when they come out. But there was a conversation in there. It would just fit so well to give it to Ava and her mom. That was a conversation my mom and I had um, when she was struggling with health. And I had somewhere I had to be a responsibility that I had to take care of. And I didn't want to go because I did, was afraid what would happen while I was away. And her, my mother's wisdom in your being here isn't going to change what God has planned for me. So you need to go and do what God has called you to do. And that was life-changing for me. And that conversation really became life-changing for Ava. And it it gave me so much pleasure. I didn't really plan to put that in the book, but it just happened, and it was perfect. And I just felt like Mom was there with me again. Mm, That is so sweet. Isn't it surprising when personal things creep into the pages of what it is you're writing? This is exactly a journal. Yeah. Well, you know, writing is personal, so I guess it's to be expected. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that you bring so much of yourself to these characters as well. So uh, in the end, the characters have to decide if they're willing to give up on something they love in order to be with someone they love. What do you think is the answer? Are you going to make us get the book and find out? Well, I really want you to get the book. Of course. (laughs) Shameless plug time. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know the answer um, or the ending, although, you know, for me, it's not so much the journey. It's the the end of the the destination. It's how you get there. I I like the I like to take the little side roads. Um, But yeah, they ended up taking a few side roads to get where they needed to be. I, I think a lot about, you know, um, when the, the, the verse, I hate that one, I'm trying to think on my feet and it doesn't want to come to me, um, that he will give us the desires of our heart. If we lean on him, um, 
He will give us the desires of our heart. And I think the more that we grow in him, the more our desires become in alignment with him. And I think that's what I was seeing with the characters. The more they were seeking him, the more they were realizing that he was planning a different kind of desire in them than what they had initially thought they wanted. And I think he does that so for so often if we take the time to really explore and, and seek him. And not be so stubborn. <laughs> Do you give advice for how to not be stubborn? No, we'll learn. We'll learn with the characters as we work through these emotions and their situation. Yeah. Um, well, as we close out our show today, is there anything that you'd like others to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Seek him. Seek him first. Um, it, there's so much in the world right now where it's about self-love and self-satisfaction and you're never going to get there if you're only looking at self um, we've got to look to the creator he knows us best he knows what will satisfy us most and so seek his face above all else and joy and satisfaction will follow well, I am so glad you did that because one of the themes in this story and clearly in your life is learning how to honor God-given gifts. And I am so glad you're doing that with your writing. That's going to be a whole lot of fun to read this latest release. So where can we find it? Well, anywhere online. Probably if the best thing to do is just go to the Random House or Waterbrook websites and pull up Still My Forever because links to every place will be there if you if you purchase online. The other things, walk into your local brick and mortar store and ask for it. I mean, if they don't have it on the shelf, they can order it for you. And if you don't have money in your pocket to spend, then go to the library and mm -hmm. ask for it at the library. That's what they're there for. And as a little girl who haunted the libraries, I'm just always thrilled to find my books on a library shelf. So you can go there, too. <laughs> How fun. Well, it, uh, people can pre-order this book because we're just a couple of days before the release. I noticed that Amazon has a 6% off uh, early bird discount if you want to order through them or follow Kim's Midwest values and kick it old school by going to <laughs> a brick and mortar shop that you enjoy. So how can people get in touch with you? Well, I love to communicate with readers on Facebook. That's probably the most interactive place to find me. Or you can always just pop by my website, kimvogelsawyer.com, and uh, catch up with me there. I have a contact me or message me um, button there so people can get in direct contact. But I think I have the most fun on Facebook. Um, it's, we talk books, but we talk cats. We talk chocolate. We talk Operation Christmas Child. We talk sunrises and sunsets. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun there. So, um, if you're on Facebook, please follow me. I'd love to get to know you there. Okay, and she's on Facebook at Kim Vogel Sawyer. So uh, look for her, and we'll include those links in our show notes today. Kim, this has been so much fun, and I have really enjoyed our conversation today. Well, thank you so much for letting me come and chat with you. I appreciate it. Let's do this again on your next book, because I have a feeling you've got more stories to tell. Oh, there's a whole lot of people in my head wanting out. So, yeah. <laughs> How oh, very fun. We look forward to that. We certainly look forward to this uh, latest release, Still My Fa Forever. Thanks again. And listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.